iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to the game podcast from the Times. This week, I am delighted to say that we have three guests. It's Rory K. Smith and it's Julian Lawrence. Thankfully, also Allison is back. Lots to get through, so let's get going. Let's be disciplined and let's have fun. Oh, there's Rodwell and it's 1-1. Sunderland's expensive summer import has drawn the sides level. But where was the marking? Non-existent. We're going to start at the Stadium of Light, Sunderland and Manchester United. Yes, I'm doing United again, but I think you'll agree it is pretty newsworthy, and we'll get to Di Maria in a minute. Alison, I'm going to start with you because it's another draw, and once again, Louis van Gaal comes out afterwards and is quite critical. He, I thought he kind of let the defense get a pass, even though Smalling, I thought, had a really rocky day. Um, but he talked about them losing possession too easily and a lack of creativity. Uh, is that what you saw? If, if he's going to be honest and, and pick apart his team, he would end up standing there for 35 minutes going through position by position. Presumably his way is to decide I'm going to be critical of a certain element of my team today. I thought the outstanding negatives were that uh, looking at the team sheet, you, you ended up thinking, yeah, yeah, the defence, it's it's three at the back again and they're not used to it and that's going to be an area where Sunderland might have a bit of fun. But attacking-wise, that's not a bad team. And yet Van Persie looked disinterested and rusty, maybe not fully fit. Rooney was uh, the quietest I think I've seen him in a long, long time. Um, to the point that when Welbeck came on, they they were given a bit of a bit of zip and zing, and he's supposed to be surplus to requirements. So that, it all felt counterintuitive, and really quite peculiar. So I, d- I think every element of the pitch there was there was there was stuff you could lay into. He can't stand there and do that. Although he's trying to be a little bit honest with us. Julian, like Monty Python, I like to look on the bright side of life. <laughs> you could conclude that. Well, they play 45 minutes with three at the back on the first day of the season and lose. Uh, this week, they managed to last 90 minutes with three at the back. They're at the Stadium of Light, away from home, and they draw. Would that be an incorrect? I know. <laughs> well, and they're without Ander Herrera and Marcos Rojo. And would that be an overly optimistic and foolish it, conclusion? It would be. A, it, it would be kind from you. It would be kind from you saying it's a good point. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's a good point. It just. I just think, like like Alison said, I, I always thought that a manager, even coming into a new club, would adapt his methods and his philosophy to the squad he has. 
more than the other way around. Because if you have a way of playing and you don't have the players to play in it, what's the point? And it seems that our friend Louis still thinks that he's got the squad to play in that formation where it's clearly obvious that they can't play 3-4-1-2 because even Mata and Rooney can't play together in that formation. The three at the back have no idea. I mean, how many times have you seen Smalling and, and Jones in the second half on the ball, on the halfway line, doing 25 touches with it because they didn't know where to pass it? It was just ridiculous. It but seems weird. Nobody's stepping up. That is true. Do you not think it's weird, though, that, that Van Gaal, and we all, everyone knows Van Gaal's kind of one of, the, one of the greats of modern coaching, but like, he discovered the 3-4-1-2 like, four months ago with Holland because he had a, a terrible defence with Holland and he thought, right, we'd better play that way. It's not like he's always played 3-4-1-2. It's not like he's some sort of devotee of the system. It's because Trutman got injured. If Trutman yeah. hadn't been injured, they would have played 4-3-3 at the World Cup. So why is he suddenly... I, I don't have anything against 3-5-2. And I don't necessarily feel that United can't play it. I'm not quite sure I get... I'm not sure the, the transfer activity is synced up with the tactical formation. I, I mean, where does Rojo play? Where does Di Maria play? These are all things that no one's quite we'll sure We'll get to the transfers in a minute. I'm not saying it's wrong that he is devoted to it, but it seems odd that you have, you're trying to introduce this system that it's not, it's not like it's his signature system that he's trying to force on a team that isn't desperately comfortable with it. It might work in the long run. But it just seems a bit odd that he's so adamant that he has to do it straight away. Well, if you've been listening to last week's podcast, that's exactly the point Gab made. Oh, why? Yeah. Why, oh, why? Rude Hollett actually <laughs> made that point on television as well. Just the point on Ashley Young. Ashley Young as a wing-back, if any, any manager in the whole entire world has done that, you know, David Moyes, a young manager, Alison Rudd, anyone, they would have been crucified. But nothing says anything because it's, it's Van Gaal and because, I don't, I don't really know why. But Ashley Young as a wing-back, God. I thought it was a very obvious dive from Mr. Young again. Um, I think the referee evidently felt the same way. I was just curious about Fat House. Aside of him, I, I didn't know. He's, he was asked about it afterwards, and maybe he wasn't fully briefed about this by the uh, communications department. But he came out and he says, well, but there was contact. There was con-. He kept saying that over and over again. I'll make a bet here that he's not going to go and steadfastly defend Ashley, stuff like this next week. I think he was just, he thought he was just going to talk about his team or something. He maybe wasn't expecting the question. But anybody find that find that weird that he kept insisting that because there's contact, it couldn't have been a dive? I mean, the, the interviewer even, even asked him, like, but it appeared that he threw himself at the defender. Well, one of the interviews that I saw, I felt the interviewer was uh, deliberately trying to goad him into saying, yeah, I've inherited a diver. And he, he, didn't, he didn't, he felt there's something going on here. And so he sort of babbled for a bit to get round that. It's too early in his tenure to decide to label each individual member of his team. But you don't need to label, negative. yeah, of course. But you can, I mean, you see the incident and you say he tried to be clever and, you know. I, yeah, but Van Gaal's worked with, with Arjen Robin for ages. He's not, <laughs> he's not going to be bothered by divers, is he? Like, he's, it's not like it's, He's going to be sort of shocked and appalled by Ashley He's Young. generally pretty good, though, about not defending the indefensible. He just yeah, gets yeah, it. Yeah. He does the Wenger thing about not seeing it. We'll get to United and transfers and throwing forward and what might happen in a minute, but I think we need to um, uh, say something about Sunderland because Gus Poyet in the summer, some of his moves, you know, he, he brought in Rodwell. Um, I saw this guy, Buckley, for the first time. Does anybody... Can anybody fill, care to fill our audience in about him, or do I need to? No, he's, he's a funny story, Buckley, because he's been one of the best players in the championship for quite a long time. And he's, he's always looked like he might have Robert Earnshaw syndrome, which is where you're too good for the championship, but you're not good enough for the Premier League. Um, and he's quite old. Maybe Dyke should, a league one and a half, or sort of a... 
Premier League. Well, I think they maybe should have a boot camp for players who, <laughs> who, who, who like Robert Earnshaw, who are not good enough for the Premier League, but are too good for the Championship. They should. There's like there's, there's about ten of them. Yeah, David Nugent. Yeah, New, Nugent's another perfect example. Not good enough for the Premier League, but just too good for the Championship. So they maybe should get them all together in the summer. Maybe to film it, put on ITV, <laughs> and and then and then sort of show them how to become Premier League players. But I thought Buckley did well. He did well, really well. I, 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 I thought so too, which is why I brought him up. And, you know, we often we often hear about players not stepping up from, from the championship and, and so on, especially to clubs of, of Sunderland's, um, Sunderland's level. But we saw Bridcut. I'm sure we can come up with, with a number of examples from across the leagues. Last year we highlighted my mate Cresswell. This is a good thing. This is a little something we should quietly celebrate Rory's making a face why because they're not foreign Rory <laughs> yeah that's it no I, I just wonder whether I think it could be a good thing because it could show that the championship's getting better or it could be a, not a bad thing but it could be because the bottom of the Premier League the bottom 13 of the Premier League aren't that much better than the top 8 or 10 in the championship now let's get back to Manchester United um, obviously they've been strongly linked to a move for Angel Di Maria okay there's a mystery here uh, and I'm going to start with you, Julian. It's the first mysteries. So the numbers I've seen are 80 million euros. Um, I've even heard somebody say 75 million pounds yeah. would be the asking price. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I have this vague memory while I was on holiday, maybe about a month ago, of Di Maria being pitched to Paris Saint-Germain at a price of 65 million euros. And Paris Saint-Germain explicitly saying... Well, 65 million euros is too much. We can't afford to pay 65 million euros, which incidentally is about, what, 55 million pounds uh, for Angel Di Maria. How did this guy get 20 million pounds more expensive? What has he done in the past month, apart from scratching his behind, that he's suddenly so much more expensive? Uh, nothing. I think he's got a very good agent, obviously, who's, ha- who's had a very good summer, uh, our friend Jorge. And I think that they find the perfect club in Manchester United that was ready to pay whatever the price was. I also read that over the £75 million fee that someone was quoted, there was also a £10 million bonus that was up for just for him, basically, um, going on to the coach. That So, so it it could even be eighty-five million pounds for Angel Di Maria, which would be completely stupid and crazy. I just think that United were so desperate that they were ready to pay whatever the price, and that both Real Madrid and the player and his entourage just just thought, yeah, well, we can't go to PSG because that was his first option. Uh, so let's go to United for to triple my wages and and for that. Amount but you can definitively confirm that sixty-five million a euros. month ago, yeah. PSG said yeah. we're not signing him because they want sixty-five million exactly. euros, and we can't afford to pay yeah, that. They didn't think that was too much. They thought, okay, that's the we feel it's the right price. We just can't afford it with the financial fair play. But that was the that was his price. I need theories. I need theories about how it's possible that a club like Manchester United, and, and I hope this doesn't just turn into crucifixion of Ed Woodward, but frankly, I, I, I don't this is where it may, may be going, how they can they they can pay so much money for this guy, so much more. How his tra- how his price can possibly inflate? Well, did they think that they did not want him a month ago, and they want him now? Did did, did they not? Is there a lack of plan? What is it? Somebody, please. No, I think we have to crucify Edward. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of a way of not time. doing it. Yeah, no, it, it's not the first time, sadly, because we saw with Martin, we saw with Fellaini, and I, I'm told he's a very nice man. 
Um, again, it's the second week in a row where we have to, to, to question the, the work of very nice men because Steve Parrish, of course, is a very nice man too. Roy's making a face. Maybe you're coming up with a compelling defense well, I've been of Woodward will change my mind. I've been on holiday. With in, Ed Woodward. In noted uh, holiday resort Leeds. And, yeah, I, it, it's clearly too much money. No, and, I mean, you said it too much. Just, I'm just, just focused specifically on the, on the price. How does the price increase? Because Manchester United lose at home to Swansea. So to Real Madrid, look at that and think, right, well, that's another £10 million if you talk about But doesn't the price then decrease from Real Madrid's perspective because this guy has said he wants to leave. There's reports that he doesn't want to train. And George Mendes kind of runs around. Well, you'd have thought so, but United are so desperate. Not, I, I, st- I think Di Maria is one of my favourite players, but I have no idea how he fits into that Man United team, whatever system they play. I, there's talk of him playing instead of Ashley Young, which, I mean, I mean, anyone should be playing instead of Ashley Young, but that is criminally underusing Angel Di Maria. You can't play him in a 3 5 2 as a central midfielder. You play him in the hole, that's well, not why weird. Not? Well, I, I, I think in England, I th- I'm not sure he defends enough. His work rate's not, not that high. 3-4-1-2, if you want to call it that. Yeah, what, so you have him and Herrera in midfield? Yeah. No, you have, Herrera, you have Herrera and Fletch, and you have him in front. What, so no matter? Who's matter? We've all forgotten about matter. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously you've got to make decisions, right? But if no, you, if four, you, three, three, if, if you make a rule that Mata Van, per- Mata Van Persie and uh, Rooney will play every single week, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. then you get in a situation where the only position... But I mean, then you've got a, basically a, a mind flip, uh, where a, the only position he can possibly play would be uh, in some kind of it would be some kind of four two three one, where it would be what he did last year. But then you're stuck with the issues of having Mata wide and Rooney wide, and the whole Rooney wide debate. So, but surely yeah. when you're going to spend that much money on a player, whether it's seventy five million euros, sixty five million euros, whatever it is, that that sum of money, surely you are saying you know, there's not that much call for rotation yeah. as we saw with Liverpool last season. They don't need a big squad to rotate. They certainly don't need a, a, a load of thirty million pound players to rotate. They've got more players than any other team who cost more than fifteen million pounds. Manchester United. They, if they signed Di Maria, it's one hundred and ninety six million quid in a year that they spent on players. This is a ridiculous sum of money. The problem I have partly with it. Shaw, Rojo, Di Maria, all left-sided. How many players, and Mata, how many players do you need on the left well, side? Di Maria can play on the right, too. He did that all last season. Or, sorry, no, he didn't. He played, as, season before he last played as, the, as the left-handed side in yeah, a three. three yeah. That's how he played. You can play him in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Van Hal says he doesn't want to do that because it means he can't play Rooney and Van Persie. He's played both left and right. Yeah, no, I know he has. But my point is, Gab, that they are, they're signing players. Di Maria is an excellent player. But they're not signing them to any system at all. It just seems to be the case, and this is how you interpret the fee, that they're signing players for the sake of signing them to, to make statements. And I think that has a value. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's, he's, what he is is a lost leader. Yeah. By signing him, regardless of price, they're hoping to make a big splurge right. in the last few days of the transfer window where, where players who were half-hearted about going to United think, well, if De Maria's exactly. going... He didn't want to go there in the first place. That's not where he wanted to end. That's not where he wanted to play football. And... and it was only United left, so I, th- I think he was, you know, he had to to go in the end because he didn't want to stay around Madrid, and and I think again his, his agent was very clever on the deal. But you know, it's a player that didn't want to go there, and all that money for someone like you said, who's not gonna, who's not a leader, he's never been a leader, he's not gonna carry the team through the whole season with twenty five goals and twenty assists. That's not gonna happen. Well, you have Van Persie and Rooney to do that. Yeah, you're true. Uh, I'm, but, I'm being serious. You're laughing. No, no, because <laughs> he doesn't need to come and be, become a, some some cross between. No, the but Roy when you spend that much money, you expect the guy to be, you know, yeah, the star. Yeah. yeah. You pay that kind of money for Cristiano Ronaldo. You don't pay that. You don't pay sixty million quid or no, whatever we, it is for a support. We agree. It's, it's, it's a, I thought sixty-five million from PSG was absurd. Now this. I mean, Can I ask a question about Marcos Rojo? 
Sure. Uh, as I said, I've been on holiday in Leeds. Are they really paying sixteen million, or have they really paid sixteen million pounds for him, plus Nanny, for Marcos Rojo? That's the report. Yeah. That is staggering. That is it's a lower level than Di Maria, but that is a staggering price to play for yeah, a deeply you mediocre player. You're paying sixteen million to get rid of Nanny, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And I want to have a wo- final word on uh, on Danny Welbeck because so these reports come out last week that Welbeck can go, and then there's sort of the the ritual half backtrack uh, from the club. Is anybody a little surprised about this? Because I would have thought, you know, a, okay, again, we're, we're talking about Danny Welbeck here. We're not talking about necessarily a Finnish superstar, but you're talking about somebody who's young. You're talking about somebody who fulfills homegrown quotas. You're talking about somebody who you know, I thought two years ago had a, had a decent had a decent season, um, who can play wide, who can play as a striker. Are we sure? Especially when you've got a front line that can be a little bit ponderous. I mean, Van Persie's older now. Rooney's never been a speedster. Mata obviously isn't. No, um, it's, it is. It's, it is. It's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it is. And do we know that it's true, by the way? I, I think it is. But it's disappointing because I'd have thought Van Hal would want to come in and say, well, Beck, there's a lot going on there. A lot of pace, talent, potential goals. There's some tweaking needs doing. I'm the man to do that. I can make that. I can make that lad be more effective. It's not as if he has a reputation for training badly. It's not as if he has a reputation for always being injured. It's not as if he has a reputation for his attitude. His form does dip sometimes. But if you're a new manager with all the accolades you bring to your new role, I'd have thought someone like Welbeck would be a, a really, really nice challenge, a meaty challenge. And then you send him on yesterday for the last 20 minutes saying come on win us the game and, and then we're going to sell you but yes come on do it it's just you instant, instant poll if you have to get rid of a body and I think they do who do you ditch Welbeck or Chicharito Allison Hernandez yeah me too Julian if you have to out of those two but then why if he's going to play with two up front does he not need both of them as cover is he going to play with two up front he seems to be saying he's going to play with two up front where does to play his transfers seem to suggest he's not going to play with two up front <laughs> <laughs> The mysteries of Van Hal. I think there's one thing, at least I think about him. Um, we need to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's kind of earned that, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Might come through to Monreal, who keeps the ball alive. And Giroud, it's 2-2. Arsenal have rescued a point right at the death. Everton and Arsenal. Now, it looked really, really nasty for um, the Gunners uh, at, at halftime. 2-0 down, and Everton once again taking the game to an opponent. This isn't really news anymore, is it, Rory? No, not at all. No, I think what's, what's interesting about that, that game is the way that Everton fell off a cliff after 75 minutes. They were excellent, for certainly for an hour. Arsenal improved a lot when Giroud came on. And then Everton just sort of lost the ability to run and, as the second goal showed, jump. And that, if I was Roberto Martinez, and I really wish I was, that would be that would be of some considerable. You have better hair than he does. That that is true. Although <laughs> I, my granddad didn't know Ditsy Dean. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. That is a reference to a photograph I tweeted out over the weekend, and I might be tweeting again, which I absolutely love. It's one of those sweet old things from the. I guess the 1930s it, it, it'd be and it shows Dixie Dean and another uh, presumably Everton player who looks a lot like Roberto Martinez and they're just wearing the ridiculous outfits and they have enormous uh, bulges in their underpants but that's another <laughs> issue um, <laughs> Julian wh- why did it fall apart can you can you put some of the blame on on the I, Everton I think manager? they're not ready 
physically. I, I think it's just a fitness problem, and I think they played well, so well with so much movement. And I think even Martinez said it after the game that physically they just run out of steam. Why? How do you run out? I mean, why would they well, be less fit than Arsenal? At this because they probably season? they probably did their fitness work to pick have the best form half through September like Arsenal as well to be fair and like a lot of Premier League teams especially with no Christmas break you tend to get the players fit or at least to to do all your pre-season to be fit end of September to be ready for you know for that games and well, I was disappointed by Martinez I have to say when you tune it up you've got Stones on the bench that, that could come on you've got Besic on the bench who would have been very useful in that game to just close the game down and instead you put Atsu on from Miralas you're thinking like an Italian but I'm thinking about winning the game how can I win this game and not drop two points stupidly like that over, over two goals in the last seven minutes and I was disappointed by the chance why, why putting Atsu when you 2-1 up with five minutes to go in, in replacement of, of Miralas. There's no, there's, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it did seem like you uh, might have wanted to tighten things up. Now, we saw uh, Alexis Sanchez line up up front for 45 minutes. Verdict? Well, he's not a false number nine, is he? He's just a false player when he plays like that. I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't very effective. And that, that's the real narrative of the match. Of course, Everton went 2-0 up. They were playing against a team without anyone who wanted to score a goal or go anywhere near the penalty area. What do you do? You've got Lukaku to make them scared. Lukaku goes off. Arsenal have actually proved they might have done their because they because they've got the Champions League. They're they're up and running. They're more at it well, than they have been probably for quite a few years. And and they just they were just the, the stronger team suddenly playing with a centre forward, having a go. Julian, can I give if I were to give Wenger the benefit of the doubt, might it have not have been that? Yes, well, Alexis Sanchez is obviously not a traditional centre forward. I mean, he has played, obviously not at Barcelona because they have 99% possession, but at Udinese he was devastating as a uh, on the counter-attack with, with Toto Di Natale. And maybe Wenger thought, all right, well, we're playing one of the few teams in the Premier League who are going to keep the ball, especially at home, more than we are. Maybe this is a game where, where I try to, 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 to play on the counter and I give him a run against Distan and, and, and Jags. Is that... Yeah, so I think that's the idea. And I think he would, he would keep playing him in certain games on his own up front. Definitely. Really? Yeah. And really? I think he bought him. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when he bought him, he said he can play both in the centre on his own and wide. And he, he said, even after the Emirates Cup, he said he's more comfortable on his own up front because there's obviously much more space to run into than if he's wide where you've got the touchline and your defender and basically you can just go almost straight up. And, and I think it makes sense in certain games to play him on his own. Yeah, definitely. I think you might see a, a kind of a split Arsenal, I think, broadly at home or against the smaller sides. They'll play with Giroud up front so they can build the play off him. And I think in, in the games where they, where Wenger feels they have to counter, you'll see Sanchez playing up front because of the pace he offers. Well, so what, did you, what did you see in the game against Everton that made you think Nothing, but that, it, I, that would I, work? I, I would say that, that that was the wrong game, not in terms of the tactic, but in terms of the time of the season where Sanchez, he's going to have an adaptation time. He's not going to get used to English football immediately. And he's not going to get used to playing, playing up front regularly again immediately because he wasn't doing it for Barcelona. And he also wasn't allowed to score because he had to pass it to Messi. So I think it was the wrong, the wrong, the right opponents probably, but the wrong time of the season to try that with Sanchez. But that would be my assessment. But, but how many games are Arsenal going to play this season when they'll be away from home and the opposition will... Well, well there'll so be much possession. The, the top six probably in the, apart from Everton Chelsea. obviously now. 
I think they'll, they'll, they might try and counter yeah. Chelsea, yeah, possibly. The, and, then, yeah, and then also in the Champions League. I'm not saying that will be the only right. time that he'll use Sanchez like that, but I think that might be the broad plan. But credit for Giroud, though, because I know there's a lot of people in this country who think he's not a striker. But, you know, both games against Palace and, and against Everton, he was on, starting on the bench, came on and made a difference. And, and As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He, he might be a plan B when Sanchez starts up front on his own. And I think he could do a good job as well. And, and I think he deserves some credit. Of course, let's credit the <laughs> handsome, tall French man. No question about it. If I were on, on Everton, um, anybody want to go on a limb about them finishing top four? Because it seems to be a. If you talk to Evertonians, it, it seems to be like sort of the we don't get their respect. But if you look at the lineup now, and, and you look man for man, and you look at what's been achieved certainly last season, I mean, should we be giving them? More, more respect. More respect, or, or does it? Does it really take sort of three teams to screw up for Everton to get into the top four? They're in the race. You can't do any further than that. With with the only two teams, I think you can be certain will finish in the top four are probably Chelsea and City, yeah. and the rest, you, the rest are all in the race, and it'll be quite close. You, Who's ahead, not, Everton or Spurs, Roy? You probably have to give it to Everton because they're more settled. I think Spurs have got Spurs have got the better squad, got better depth, hmm. and I really like Pochettino as a manager. I think they'll be Spurs will do really well this season, but. Yeah, I think they're all in the race, and I, I, I know it's the same with all fans. Though it's not fair to say oh, Everton fans say they don't want respect. All fans feel everyone's not, everyone is denigrating their team constantly. Everyone likes Everton. Everybody likes Everton, and rightly so. Does Martinez is a great manager? They've got some good players, and they play nice football. Everyone likes Everton. Right, uh, moving on to our debate. Now it's a special treat. Uh, we've got two debates this week, so I ask for discipline. Otherwise, Dave McGuire will, our producer, will get very, very angry, and his face will turn as red as his hair. In our debate this week, we're going to talk a little bit of Mario Balotelli and his return to the uh, Premier League. Now, Liverpool play Monday evening against uh, Manchester City, and I think we, we need to treat this a little bit. Tepling was why we're having a debate about it, just because of the unusual nature uh, of this deal, and because Mario, perhaps more than uh, most other players, uh, tends to draw all this additional extraneous media attention. Here's what we know, or or what I know. At the end of last season, Milan got it in their heads that Balotelli needed to be sold after Italy were knocked out of the World Cup, and uh, Mario had a very poor 
game uh, against uh, Uruguay, uh, Silvio Berlusconi, Milan's owner, helpfully came out and said, well, I'm the real loser in this because I was hoping to have a good World Cup so I could sell him for, for a lot of money. Now I'll have to sell him for very little money. So the message good, was good impersonation. Well, yeah, exactly. He didn't talk nothing like that at all. But if I were to talk like him, I'd be talking in Italian. You wouldn't know what I was saying. Else. Do it anyway. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is adding further weight to my theory that Martotti doesn't speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him talking to his man and he does talk <laughs> Thank you. So he's been on the market all summer. The official line from Milan is that they, um, they tried to sell him, but there were no takers, which is why they had to go for the seemingly paltry sum of £16 million, which has been pointed out ad nauseum as £4 million more than Shane Long. The official line from Liverpool is that he was offered initially... Uh, the asking price was too high, and then they came back, and they were able to get him for 16 million pounds. I need to stress too, he is not signed yet, and we may take a look at why that hasn't happened. From where I sit, for that kind of money, given that he's 24 years old, given that he had a bad season last year and still scored 14 goals, given that he packs a tremendous commercial punch as well uh, around the world, certainly more I think than any other Liverpool player in Liverpool's books right now. I think this is this is the kind of calculated risk that you have to take, and it's a good deal. Anybody dare to disagree? Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay, signing Balotelli isn't isn't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. There are, there are lots of, of great things about Balotelli. When I went to um, there was a pre World Cup uh, friendly uh, between Ireland and Italy, and the amount of love there was amongst the Italian fans for Balotelli far outweighed any emotion for any other player. He was their darling. They adored him. He and you don't get that sort of respect unless there's a lot about your play and personality that is to be loved. But I just find it curious that instead of focusing on that, Liverpool as a club seem to be intent on saying but, but, but all the time. Yes, we're signing him, but we know it could be a problem. I, d I don't... I, I think they're going into it with their eyes too wide open and it's as if they're, they've well, written him an invitation saying please come and be a bad boy in the Premier League Is it again. because that's all the media ask about? Is, oh, but, you know, his temperament, oh, his choice. No, not in this case, no, I don't think you can blame the media because Liverpool have in the past said he's not a player they were interested in and listed the reasons as not just being football reasons but being his personality. So, so they have made a U-turn and they feel they have to keep banging on about how they're going to try and contain him. If, if, I, if it was me, if I was Balotelli, I'd be deeply offended and the, the little devil inside me would be thinking, well, I'm going to play a few tricks on this club because they think they can change who I am. And he has said publicly, you cannot change who I am. Do not try and change who I am. So I have, I have three issues with the Balotelli deal. Everyone knows he's, he's, a, he's a good player. I've never quite understood why Mancini thought he'd be on the same level as Messi and Ronaldo, but everyone knows he's got talent, everyone knows, everyone knows he's troubled. I think Oli Kay's piece on Saturday that he's more boy than bad when it comes to bad boy was, was absolutely right. He's not. No one thinks Balotelli's a bad person, he's just occasionally an idiot. Rogers obviously feels he can he can kind of solve it or whatever, although no one else has, so that's probably right, not a great idea. He did it with Sturridge. He would say he did it with Sturridge. Yeah, but that's, that was a different level. Sturridge was a bit cocky. Some would say no, Sturridge, no. Sturridge, Sturridge is still, still quite cocky, right. but he's just playing well. Sturridge had an awful rap pre-Liverpool. He did, yeah, he did. You know. Which is completely yeah. unjustified. Show me any proof of that. He's a really nice... Yeah. Okay, so he just changed... Five, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sure he's a very nice guy now. He happened to mature when okay. he got to Anfield because right. he realised he was getting a okay. reputation Can that I, was unfair. He played for like five different clubs. He, 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 had, to, he, had, a, uh, he had a family that kept moving him from club to club to club. He was a big head with a chip on his shoulder. That was the reputation he had. 
Now, if in real life he was a wonderful person... Oh, you can w- flip that. He stuck with it at Chelsea because he said, I don't want to be loaned out. I want to okay. try and make it well, work as a big club. Yeah. That is, a, that oh, is yeah. an attitude to be praised, I, I, I'm not, not? I'm, not, I'm not criticizing him. He's made wonderful strides, but the reputation was obvious. And, if, and I don't think you can come here and say that, um, you know, Rodgers didn't turn it around with Sturridge or that storage somehow presented a, a, a much easier challenge. Well, I think that's insulting storage and overblowing Rogers to think that he had some say in the guy's personality. We're not here to talk about Daniel Storage, we're talking about Balotelli. So, the first thing is that Liverpool are vulture investors. Essentially, they take distressed assets and they try to polish them and turn them into good assets. So that's fine, that's what they want to do with Balotelli. The two things I don't understand is, one... Why spend £60 million, although a bargain fee for a player of that quality, on a player you don't need? And two, how much are Liverpool scouts getting paid that they can go into their office in the morning with all this, this vast network of contacts they've got <laughs> and all this, all this equipment that they've got and all this fancy technology and this great reputation as analytic scouts and, and what have you? And when Brendan Rodgers says to the transfer committee, right, um, who should we buy? They go, oh, probably all the players from Southampton. And they go, right, well, what? we need another striker. Who should we sign? They go, oh, well, uh, Cavani, Falcao. No, we're not. No, 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 listen. Falcao, Cavani, Benzema. And then Rodgers goes, oh, well, what if they don't come? Oh, I don't know, there's this fellow who plays for Milan. This isn't scouting. This is kind of having a subscription to BT Sports and FIFA. It's ridiculous. Right. Surely the value of scouts, whether Balotelli is a success or not, the value of scouts is the ability to say we have £16 million to spend on a striker that we don't need. So let's go and find someone... If you know Balotelli's got all these problems, let's go and find someone who maybe isn't on the first page of the bid book of European strikers. You're not, you're not going to... I mean, I'm... I'm on a limb here and say you're not going to. There's nobody in the world that is as talented as Balotelli that has the same age and that you can get for that kind of money. Kind of I agree. Right. So Maybe not. But I, I don't. And, and frankly, all this like, what's so special about Mario? I, you know, you're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. This, this, I'm not talking about specifically about you. You made the crack about. Well, I was a wide man. She thought be as good as Messi and Ronaldo. He probably never will be as good as Messi and Ronaldo. It wasn't a crack. I'm saying that Balotelli is a good player. But I don't. I've never quite understood the level of fuss there is about him. He's he's clearly a very talented footballer, with problems. I I, I ask this question, and I'll throw it to you, Julian. What is the worst thing that can happen? Because this idea that oh, but he destroys dressing rooms. I've kind of looked at it, and you know what? Mario Balotelli's teams, with or without his contribution, have actually been extremely successful. Ch- Ch- City won uh, a league and, and an FA Cup. Inter Milan won the trouble. Uh, AC Milan, when he got there, were that um, they were ninth place, and then he took them up to third place in the Champions League. He's really only been on a team that that's really basically stunk it up once, and that was last year. That wasn't his fault. And that, yeah, and I don't think it was his fault, yeah, frankly, last year. So even when he's going, when he's being bad, and nobody likes him, and darts and whatever else, his team still managed to still managed to thrive. Yeah. I- I think it's, it's a gamble worth taking anyway. For them, it's a bargain for that much money. I think he's very, very talented. He's probably one of the most talented players they will have in their squad. I don't know where he's going to play, that's for sure. If you play him wide, it, I don't think that is going to work. If you play him centrally and storage wide, not sure it's good for storage. If you play them up front, it'd be fascinating to see. I think it's very exciting to have him back in England, the country that he said he hated the most when he left. Anyway, I think he arrived at City when he was really young. I think he got back to Milan, where they wanted him as the marquee signing, the leader. He's not a leader. Balotelli is not a leader. And I think coming to Liverpool, when you've got Steven Gerrard in the dressing room, when you've got Brendan Rodgers, will help him massively. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that it could actually work, really. See, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't want to give the wrong impression, Dad, but I, I don't think it won't work. 
My issue, my my main issue with it is not Balotelli's. Uh, just a personal opinion on how how good I think Balotelli is in comparison to others. I think Jules is right that for that price. It, it's essentially risk-free because even if he does sort of arrive at Melwood, throw loads of flaming darts at everybody, and then sit out the rest of the seasons, he can't be asked playing. They'll probably still be able to sell him for what 12, 13 million back to someone in Italy. Does his his reputation is that high? My issue with it is that I think it suggests that Liverpool are paying their scouts rather too much money. So I don't think that's hard to do, which I think is a factor in terms of Balotelli and the dressing room and what have you. Yeah, I don't think that that's a problem because Liverpool's dressing room. If Balotelli is a pain, Liverpool's dressing room is more likely to unite against him than it is to allow itself to... If factionalism is what destroys dressing rooms, not individuals. Compared to when you're at City, he speaks the language. He knows the country. He knows how the media works. He knows the football. He knows the physicality of the game. He, he knows he's, he's come here, he's scored important goals and everything. The flip side to that, though, is that, and I agree with you, as I say, I think it's a risk-free signing despite all the obvious risks. The, the flip side of that is you do wonder with Balotelli what is he looking for so he leaves City and says I want to go back home to the club I want to play for I want to, I want to be kind of the main man that was the subtext of that then he leaves Milan and says actually I don't want to do, don't want to be that you, you do wonder yeah, what leaving at Milan for. wasn't really his choice no but you no, wonder what, do you know what I mean you wonder what he's looking for what environment does Mario Balotelli feel truly comfortable in that would be my, my concern does, I, if he didn't have a choice about leaving yeah, Milan but, realistically yeah. then it's kind of a it's kind of a moot point right enough Balotelli let's go to somebody who is uh, very similar in uh, many ways and that he also makes a living from football or made a living from football Malky Mackay now just to catch up, for those who don't know, Malky Mackay was the manager at Cardiff. He got them promoted. He was dismissed in uh, December of 2013. Uh, he had a rather acrimonious split with Vincent Tan, uh, the owner, uh, and it's to do um, with, well, between uh, discussions about transfers that Mackay made. It also involved Ian Moody, who we talked about last week, who was uh, the head of recruitment there. Now, it has emerged if anybody wants to correct me on this, because this is what I've read, but I obviously haven't reported this directly, but Vincent Tan hired uh, a law firm called Mishkan Durea. They hired private investigators who went through um, various emails and text messages that were sent between Moody and Mackay. Uh, the investigation had to do with transfer dealings. I presume they haven't found anything, although I say it's ongoing because nothing's been leaked about that. But, um, well, has been leaked is the revelation that Mackay and Moody used language in, in various texts that was um, at various times anti-Semitic, uh, sexist, racist, um, basically managed to offend just about every uh, ethnicity uh, you, can, you can think of. The coda to this was that um, the LMA came out and um, as they do, they defended Mackay because he's a uh, he's an LMA member, and they stress that you know they have everybody has a right to their day in court, so to speak. And they used <laughs> this word banter, which offended everybody. It looked as if they they trivialized what he said. They said that well, maybe he made those texts, um, but it's because he was under stress and he was just having banter. And then that in turn led to public outcry, and then the LMA rewording their statement and Mackay issuing an apology. Is that about right? Is there a reality there, Julian? Um, since you've played football at a higher level than the rest of us, <laughs> that this is kind of how people talk in real life. I'm, I'm, English is not my first language, but I've never used any of the words Maki Maka used with Ian Moody in their text and emails to talk about other people in the way they did. So maybe Rory and Alison can relate more to the story, but 
for me, as, as, as a Frenchman, reading sure, there that, are French equivalents of that, no? Yeah, but I've never used them in French either, talking about you know, with French friends. being around football people, yeah. right? I, I do, do think do, it's... Do, a, do we hear this? Yeah, yeah, we do. I think it's a different language than, than the people in the streets, or like, or like random people in the offices, for example. I, that's for sure. That doesn't make it, you know, forgivable and excusable anyway. The, the, the way they talked about Vincent Tan and, 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 and other people as well. And, and I think... I think it's bad. I think it's really bad. And I don't know Malky Maka, I don't know Ian Moody either, but I think I think that's really, really poor. The, the, there was, as I say, I was on holiday in Leeds while this storm was brewing. But um, Leeds Tourist Board are paying know, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. Welcome to Yorkshire. There was an interview with Herman Oosley from, from Ticket Out about the Mackay incident, and I thought what he said that, that was really interesting was he, you know, he said the thing that Ticket Out always say, and rightly so, that, that football needs to take a look at it, that the, the, the sort of the existence of prejudice within its midst, and that's something that has to be addressed. But what Oosley said that I think is absolutely key to all of these stories, who, whoever they involve, is he said that football has a problem with racism and sexism and homophobia that it needs to address, and society, the, the society that surrounds football also has to address this problem. And that is crucial because ultimately, I don't want to, Martin McCry has come out and apologised and that's the right thing to say, but to pretend that football can do anything at all to stop people who work in football or who are associated with football being either racist or sexist or homophobic, whilst racism and sexism and homophobia exist in the world, is ridiculous. It's not the, the idea that Malty Mackay is, is the only person in this country who's ever sent a racist text is absurd. We pretend that this is a problem that only exists in football. It doesn't. There are racists in Britain. There are sexists in Britain. There are homophobes in Britain. Right. And until they don't exist in Britain, then they will continue to exist right. in British football. Okay, time now for the award-winning quick hits part of the show. First, some basic ground rules. This is directed at nobody in particular, Alison. Now, we need to be very disciplined about this. These, your answers can be no more than 25 seconds long. At 20 seconds, I will play a humorous sound effect. At 25 seconds, I will play another longer sound effect, and I will start shouting to drown you out. So be warned. Know, sh shouting to drown us out is what you do for the remainder of the hour, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All right, let's move on with quick hits. Discipline, people. Chelsea start rather slowly against Leicester before notching two in the second half to win 2 0 as Diego Costa makes it 2 and 2. Allison, you were there. Is he the striker to deliver glory, or does he merely look so good because of what was up front last season? No, he looks good. And you know he looks good because Abramovich was in the stands uh, 11 years to the day after he took over and he, I have never seen him look happier and Fernando Torres was not even on the bench. And for Diego Costa to make him forget about this project, this loving with Fernando, uh, proves that he must be the real deal. Whew. Very impressive. Nicely done, Alison. A happy Abramovich is the kind of Abramovich we all want to see, of course. Julian, I'll ask you about Swansea since you're more Welsh than any of us. Ashley Williams talked about knowing how to win ugly and not coming across as soft. Do you understand what he's talking about? Were they a bunch of soft wusses last year? And uh, can a steelier Swansea be better than last season's rather effete Swansea? I think they'd be better than last season. I think they're solid. I think they're strong. I think they. I think uh, Monk has brought a new attitude to the team and I think that's really good and I like them I like the look of them and, and I think they're going to achieve top 8 no problem there you go well done Swansea of course beat Burnley Rory I know you were big on them last year when they came up and you were telling me who Mr. Ings was and stuff like that uh, anything to change your mind odds of them uh, staying in the Premier League uh, not really 
very high at the moment. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think Burnley may well have a problem. They, they seem they seem to have a great spirit and they play, play relatively nice football, but in terms of quality, they are sadly lacking. Vokes didn't play at the weekend. Uh, he might make a difference. Just his partnership with Inns is 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 good, but they need to do some. <laughs> you still have five seconds. They need to sign more players in the next few days. The Daves, who own West Ham, would like him to be more entertaining. While Big Sam's side certainly was entertaining in the 3-1 win over Crystal Palace, with Zarate and Downing looking especially good, at least to me. Allison, is West Ham turning over a new leaf, or will it be business as usual when the big man Andy Carroll returns? Ack. No, what Sam Allardyce is, is pragmatic. If you go to Crystal Palace, the state they're in, you can afford to play slightly expansive football and punish a team that uh, don't know where they are. And, and, and the next time Big Sam plays a team like that, yeah, it might be fun to watch, but he, he's not scared. He's still not scared of playing um, slightly more um, basic defensive football when required. A point for Newcastle away to 10-man Aston Villa brings them back down to earth somewhat. Uh, Julian, were we getting a little bit too excited over the likes of Remy Cabela last week? No, give him a bit of time. He's a very talented kid. I think he's going to be a big success for, for Newcastle and in the Premier League. Just give him a bit of time. You can't just suddenly switch from French football to English football just like that and be amazing every weekend. Give him a bit of time. He was amazing last weekend. I mean, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. but the consistency will come with time. All right. Eric Lamella and Nasser Chadley shine as Tottenham roll over QPR 4-0. Rory, the manager and most expensive player, both from Argentina, so they have to be good, right? Correct, yep. A top four finish? Uh, it's certainly possible. They're in the, in the race, as is another four teams. I think Lamella could be really crucial this season. He looked like not just he was able to kind of impose his ability, but he was up for a physical battle as well. Uh, people have kind of forgotten about him and written him off. That is a very silly thing to do. Gab, one for you. The Bundesliga is back, and it came back on Friday night. How are Bayern looking? All good? Well, everybody's injured um, right now, um, from Schweinsteiger to Thiago Alcantara. Uh, Jerome Boateng is, um, is, is suspended. Uh, Javi Martinez, of course, out for, for a very long time. Uh, it is problematic in that sense. Um, they won 2-1. They didn't look great. Started out with three at the back and then uh, switched it to uh, a 4-2-3-1, and it got a little better. <laughs> Talk about Roger Schmidt. Great win for Leverkusen. Leverkusen were brilliant. Yeah. Leverkusen were brilliant. They did. They did. Leverkusen. I, I thought Dortmund didn't didn't get didn't get going uh, at all from from what I saw. Um, but why are we talking about that? I think it's worth getting it's in there early. Bayern. It's not all about Bayern. Good point at which to tell everybody that Julian plays for a team called Bayern Munich. He does. Yes, Julian. Yes. How did Bayern Munich get on? We did really well. We we hammered the team we played against, and what it was in bounds. What were they called? Did they have? I a can't remember name? their name. No, they, no, no. They didn't have as creative uh, people as in my team. But I played in Barnes, which is obviously next to Alison's house, not far from Rory's. Are you so actually registered with a team or uh, are you a free agent? I, I'm a free agent, so I can play with anyone. It's just I, I, I'm looking for more football games because I want to play more than I'm doing so. Before you get old and come and old. get yeah, me, exactly. please. From After that, yeah, yeah, exactly. that, that I can play anywhere apart from goalkeeper. Advertised. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I used to be quite good when I was I've played football with Julian. He is excellent. Well, this is your yeah. chance. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, feel free to bid. And uh, Julian, we'll, we'll, we can get Julian to go play on your five-a-side team? Or oh, 11 aside. I prefer 11 aside, but five-a-side is fine. Seven-a-side, anything. I prefer 11 aside as well. Okay. So if you can raise, uh, what, £1,500 for a charity of my choice, uh, Julian will play on your five-a-side or 11-a-side team at a mutually agreed-upon uh, time. Maybe you could referee. No, Alison can referee. 
She's well, got, she's a got qualified a qualified referee. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking who gets who's who's trying to raise his more charity money, like the presence of Gab wearing full referee's kit. Or, oh, thanks, mate. Or yeah, Alice, Alison true. actually putting in quite a competent. Well, Gab can can be your manager as well. Yes, yeah, maybe you're Gab the manager can and Alison will ref. All right, enough of this. Thanks to all my guests this week: the very talented Julian Lawrence, the very talented Alison Rudd, the equally talented Rory K. Smith. It's a delight to have you all back. You've noticed we have no guests on the phone, which is why you're not hearing Ollie K. Uh, don't worry, normal service will resume at some point in the foreseeable future. But in the meantime, we did the best we could. Till next week, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.